like I'm not going to start saying that because I'm not a teenager. But in 10 years, once eat is just a thing that everybody says, like, yeah, I'll be saying it all the time. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It yeah. would probably be strange if you show up in high school and you're like, this is pretty yeet, kids. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd be like, don't. Yeah. <laughs> Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 164 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm incapable of sleep. I'm Sam, and I'm the IT. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is August Dirt Queen, 20 crates of beans. <laughs> What? Dirt Queen? Before mm. we get started, we have a warning. Uh-huh. Anything, yep. anything could happen on this show. <laughs> this is true. Dirt Queens. <laughs> various kinds of golems. 20 crates of beans. Uh, there's going to be profanity and weird stuff. So if that's not your bag, then you just scoot, scoot your bag. Go get a more boring bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that scenario. That's right. I've actually been thinking about this. When I listened to you guys do your casts, the last two casts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, uh, and I heard those, you know, the introduction where it's all like, you know, kids, please get the fuck out because, you mm-hmm. know, this is da- da- danger territory. It, it's danger time. But, you know, I think. This is the third I rail think, of parenting. Uh, yeah, but I think kids need to just grow the fuck up. <laughs> maybe. They, I mean, they eventually <laughs> so, will. So. so I'm thinking maybe we should actually have like an anti-warning. We would just say if, if you get your kids, kids in here, in they here, need to hear this. They need to hear profane. They need to get mm-hmm. desensitized to the horrors of the universe. Yep. Just as early as possible. You want to prep them for life. Childhood, who needs it? Who yeah. needs yeah. it? Just, you know, just get that innocence right on We're closing yeah. in on the apocalypse. So you if you're, if you're, exactly. I mean, if, so if you're a parent and you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know if I should have my kids listen because, you know, profanity. But, you know, the, really the worst, the, the least of your worries in the entire universe around your kids having a healthy, you know, happy lives mm-hmm. is the profanity spoken on this that's podcast. Probably, that's probably true. So, you know, just maybe. How uh, come people are always worried about profanity ruining their children? But they never worry about it ruining themselves. Because everyone's already ruined by the time, you know, by the time they're like 15 or so. Yeah, you're like, I guess (laughs) I'm destroyed. And I guess it was profanity. I am just a husk of a person. And it was profanity that did that. I think we can all agree. I mean, there's not an adult that I've ever met. Who, when we got down to, we talk, you're talking deep. Like, where, mm-hmm. where did all of your problems come from? Like, like, I, I think know it's because I heard somebody say the word shit once. Yeah, and that just scarred and me. It, so just deep. Sunk, it just sunk right in there, and I never got it out of my mm-hmm. soul. Yeah, got that that shit stain. <laughs> <laughs> in there, it's just in there. We also want to thank uh, our Ko-Fi supporters, which is that's people who gave us money over at MoneyGrab.bscotch.net. Thanks for the money. Thanks for that money. Uh, we want to thank Zacy Zacy, who said uh, also said, uh, thanks for a great stream, Seth. It gets better every week. So I streamed Game Dev. I didn't do it last weekend, though. Which then makes you wonder, if he didn't do it last week, but it gets better every week, what's he trying to say? What I think he was trying to say is maybe <laughs> if I just wait a long time and then do it, you know, based on how compound interest works, it'll just mm, yeah. be real fucking good if I okay. just do it like six months from now. So, so he wasn't saying that by, but that you not doing it was the best one of all so far. Uh, he could have been because <laughs> I mean it would have been it would have been this past week. That's true. Zizi has got a lot of sass. Yeah. He it's said just, it gets yeah. better every week. He didn't say you know whether I do it or not. Right, it's right. Just better. Yeah. Period. Uh, also, we want to thank anonymous. Very noble. Yes. Uh, didn't even put their name on it. Mm. Very also, we appreciate all the podcast questions you've asked. Anonymous. Yeah. Anonymous mm-hmm. is doing great work over yeah. there. Mm-hmm. A lot of diversity and kind of opinions and writing styles. Very interesting person. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they keep hacking things. Yep. Which is also, also you know, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also we have several recurring uh, Ko-Fi supporters who are giving us just money, money, money all the time. Just $400. $4 a month. It's crazy. We're just Uh, floating in ones over here. Yeah. So thank you very much for that. Uh, This all is, it helps us offset the cost of the podcast. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we appreciate it. We also got some stuff in the mail. Dwarven Jester sent us a cement block. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for that. But he poured. So this was a, in honor of the new office. He was like, you know, you need a good, strong foundation for your new mm, office. We need oh, like, so it's, it's like a, a cornerstone. Yeah, it's like a cornerstone brick. So yeah, he yeah. made a he made a block of cement. He poured it himself, and then he took a bunch of wood letters and spelled out "Can we not?" and stuck it in the <laughs> cement. And then he forgot to put any kind of sort of lubricant on the letters. Uh-huh. So then the, he just cemented them in in there. <laughs> they were supposed to come out. They were supposed to come out okay. so that it would be kind of like an engraved, mm, you know, thing. Like a very fancy 1920s style yeah. block. Okay. Yeah. And then he wrote a letter explaining how he was trying to get the letters out, but he couldn't figure it out. And then he thought, well, can I just not get the letters out? And then he Turns didn't. out the answer is yes. Yeah. So well, uh, I think our plan now is to throw it into the fire. At some point, it's part of our, you know, burn it down is one of our other slogans. We're going to put that in the fire, just burn the wood out. Yep. 
and then everybody yeah. wins. And that yeah. is that is our general policy is we we pretty much burn everything that everybody mm-hmm. sends us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whatever it looks like when it's done, that's the thing we now have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it really saves space. There's a gift know? pyre and then there's like a there's a cremation jar. We have sort of a Viking things. funeral for all, all these mm-hmm. things. Um, also, Beautiful. somebody sent us a book called 5000 BC and we don't know who sent it and we don't know why. There's it's just no a, letter – it just appeared. It might have been from anonymous. Was there a name on the uh, you know the return yeah. address? No, it no was it was uh, it was ordered directly from some place, and then it came to us. And the the persons who sent it, their name wasn't on there. Mm-hmm. It was no, just from so the just company. Completely anonymous. And so it's this, it's this book of riddles, which it's, I don't know if that's also like are we trapped in some meta <laughs> situation? <laughs> figure out who it was. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so thanks for that book. It's it's a mystery. It's whoever and why ever you have sent it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so otherwise, we are back in action. Everybody's back now. Uh, Adam was gone for a couple of weeks. Sam yep. was gone. You know, we had to pre-record last week's podcast the week before, mm-hmm. and it was just been chaos. Uh, we're back now. It's not. It's not a ghost town. Yep. And uh, we're also going to PAX soon. Yes, end of the month. PAX West in three weekends. Mm-hmm. Three weekends. Yes, weekends three. So why are we doing that? Who goes there? What's the problem? So the major What's the deal. The major point for us of going to PAX, we're not we're not demoing, which is an important note. Um, we've talked in the past about going to conventions uh, and and why you might go and also why you might not go. And the reality is that it costs it costs a lot of money, right? So even just going, like we have to, go, we have to get out there to Seattle, you stay which, in a hotel, you got to mm, Uber around or whatever, eat food, and you lose production time, right? So. The question is, what's what's the point? And uh, for us, it's you know we haven't actually gotten to show level head to any press, to any platforms, to anybody in person for since about GDC six months. So yeah, since GDC, and obviously the game has just grown and grown and grown and turned into this big wild thing. Um, and so for us, it's actually mainly to go and schmooze. So we go talk to press, we go try to uh, you know get a hold of our platform contacts, see if they're in town, see if we can get a meeting with them. Uh, and then mainly, actually, this time around, we wanted to just go. Because we've never gone to an event as people who like games. Yeah, we've never yep. been to PAX. We've we've demoed on a floor of PAX. Right. But, we but we've never just been there. Gone. So, <laughs> yep. And one of my favorite things personally from, from the time we did go to PAX was actually not work in the booth, uh, but just running around talking to the other devs. Because uh, that's where we met uh, the, the team behind Supergiant, or behind Supergiant and uh, Clay and Behemoth and a couple of the, the big ones who we mm-hmm. Who we, you know, ended up kind of becoming friends with and and getting some advice from that sort of thing. So uh, it's just really fun to to actually go talk to people who are building all these cool games and just see them all on the show floor. So we're gonna be doing some schmoozing, doing the schmoozing, mm-hmm. yep. yeah, which I'm I'm looking forward to that. And so if you are going, you know, come just come say hi. Mm-hmm. We'll probably have our shirts on. Yes. Yeah. Or no shirts. Or no, on. Probably no Either shirts. way, you'll be able to spot us. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be in cosplay as shirtless people. Shirtless, shirtless people. game devs. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be cosplaying as a peck dance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Be- <laughs> so one it, of us I, will be a right peck, one the left peck, and, the and rest, then we will dance. Bounce, you just bounce up and down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, also, I want to talk about mm. how we fucking called it. Discord is now Steam. Yep. Uh, a, Steam is now Discord. I guess it was maybe somewhere between four and eight weeks ago. We talked about Discord adding this games tab Mm -hmm. and how we looked at that. We thought this is clearly the precursor to Discord opening up a store, Mm -hmm. which would be a brilliant move because everybody who has tried to open up a store to compete with Steam has done it just as a store. And if all you have is what Steam has, but worse, then how could you possibly compete? Right. And even if it's as good or better in terms of just the tech or whatever, if it's still just a store, it's just, if it's just a store, then now people's libraries aren't there. So where's where's the having a better store is not a strong enough edge to yeah, get right because you're asking product. people to abandon their previous store basically because yeah. uh, it's not just a place where you buy stuff; it's also a place where there's communities and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So Discord made the the move of saying, "Well, we're not even going to worry about the store part. We're going to grow a community first." of a hundred million people mm-hmm. then start selling games to those people. Uh, well, so further, they're saying we understand that people don't want to split their libraries up. So you'll be able to launch your games yep. from any of the other storefronts via the discord client. So it's the store to end all stores. And their, yep. their claim is that they're going to be doing a lot of uh, work with indies. They're going to be doing a lot of curated stuff and they're, it's not going to be the, 
it's not at least at first right. it's not going to be the <laughs> right. flood of content that you see on things like uh on mobile or on uh now steam mm-hmm. and so i i think i think they're going to be answering a uh, a market need yep. so well, well, they certainly have the audience for it, which is always the hard part of these store things. Even if even the stores that have popped up that have done like a hard curatorial edge to them, where they're like, "Oh yeah, we're only going to select the best games," or else they just haven't had an actual audience. So yeah. it, like it just didn't matter. So yeah, yeah. I, think br- it's really I mean, cool. the brilliant thing with Discord is that even if you're not buying games on there, you're still using it. Yeah. So maybe eventually you will. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very different than, you know, something like uh, GOG or whatever, where it's like, if you're not, if you're not buying games on it, you're never going to boot it up. Right. That's all it's, that's what it's for. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think it was a brilliant move and yeah. I'm curious. It to does see. kind of make me wonder about, uh, so, so we, we use discord for just our day-to-day work. So, you know, instead of Slack, we use discord and we're yeah. always telling other people you should do the same because it's just mm-hmm. so easy to drop in and out of. It's easy to build a community inside of. Uh, and it kind of has all the things that you would want that Slack already has and so on. So I've actually largely seen it as a sort of a Slack competitor primarily, yeah. less so as a gaming community and so on because you can use it for anything. It's just a chat client. Um, and yeah, you could see what other, what games people were playing. Yeah, they have, you know, game overlay and stuff, but that, that it doesn't feel like a core part of, of that product. And so I always just felt like, okay, this is kind of a cool Slack competitor that has a lot of super useful game features. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that games are going to be front and center, because there's you know there is a games tab, and and they'll be like when you pop when you pop open the client, the first thing you're going to see now is what games people are playing. Yeah. Uh, then that's going to prevent this thing from kind of dominating Slack because Slack is you know business software right. really, and so that's actually going to it's going to prevent the possibility that that Discord could just take over Slack. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think Which that I think wasn't the, that wasn't the that wasn't the, the plan. Yeah. yeah but. Uh, I was kind of hoping that was what would happen. And it's still, there's no reason for it not to, except of course, employers aren't going to want people to just look Be at games, games all yeah. day. Yeah. So maybe the case that you, you slack at work and then you discord at home. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's Slacking at work. That's classic. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's probably true. And and we, we also got some comments from people after we had talked about discord um, in the past about how one of the things that they liked about slack was how, because it's totally compartmentalized. So instead of, yeah. Instead of just logging into Slack and then seeing every every Slack channel or every Slack group that you're a part of, you actually log into just that group. So yeah, you, yeah. So you go to your company's Slack URL mm. and all you see is stuff from your company, right? Which so, is a, a bit of a blurse, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's good because it compartmentalizes things and keeps you from getting distracted, but also it means you miss stuff yeah. if you're not specifically looking for it. So, Well, I, would, I do want to talk about – I know uh, – there's two really interesting bits of news that happened this last week, which was as far as like storefront stuff goes, which is that Fortnite, which is that giant uh, battle royale game, decided to bypass Google Play. They did. So they're not launching through. And they're already bypassing Steam. Yep. They're already bypassing Steam. Uh, they're bypassing Google Play now, which means they're not launching through that store, which and the whole reason for them is that they're not they don't want to pay the 30 percent cut. They're, they're, well, they're basically saying what Google Play would give them is an audience. But they already have one. Yes, because it's literally. So a why would they pay somebody thirty percent of their revenue for something they already have? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and which is be, a good question. It is, yeah. And, <laughs> and to be clear, you know, if you're if you're someone more in our position, where we've got an audience, but it's not a it's Fortnite not Fortnite. Audience, Fortnite you know? so it's pretty close, but right. it's we, not quite <laughs> right. So so we need, we absolutely need, and it's kind of a bummer because Google Play and and other stores don't necessarily have to provide anything. Like they don't have to feature, they don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. The cut's the same no matter what they actually provide for Correct. you. The one thing that we just absolutely need and therefore just have to pay that that cut for is the audience because mm-hmm. we just don't have it. But yeah, but if you're Fortnite, do whatever you want. Do, do whatever good. You want. And then Bethesda announced that uh, Fallout 76, their new Fallout game, is going to be skipping Steam. Yep. Which is, again, like these happened within two days of each other. I was like, what is happening? Because everyone's just sort of, I guess, you know, taking the, the moonshot really, which is like, okay, can we just establish ourselves as ourselves instead of having to always go through this third party entity? Yeah. And so it it does beg this interesting question, which is, you know, if you do, you know, extremely well on one of these stores, like extremely well in the case of Fallout with a you know, long-term franchise that a lot of people love, or in the case of Fortnite, which is this just phenomenon that blew up. Well, I also point out that Blizzard's been doing this. Yes, yeah, Blizzard's been doing it for I mean, a while. They, they did, they did well, release they were around before Steam was around. Yeah, yeah, and they did release Hearthstone onto uh, Google Play and, mm-hmm. and iOS. But, right. I mean, as far as all desktop stuff goes, they just have their own. Right. 
straight to customer. But so. I think it also it made sense for them to to launch on Google Play because for that for that kind of game that they made, like sure, it's it's likely that Blizzard fans would play it to some extent. But it was so, such a it's a casual it's, it's a casual game and it's such a wild card relative to their normal portfolio that I think for it to be successful, they really needed to broaden out that audience. And yeah, so that's they, true. they couldn't just have their this this the small fraction of their existing fan base go play that game. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to go pull on some other existing large network. Right. But right. I mean, it does beg the question to me of what that looks like for future stuff. Right. Because of course these stores are gigantic. So it's, it's always going to be a drop in the bucket. And Adam, I talked about this uh, last week a little bit in terms of the revenue of the store. Right. I mean, the store is huge. Yeah. So it's not going to necessarily hurt the store much at all for any one of these games to drop out. But it's an interesting shift, I think in terms of, like we haven't heard of this happening for I don't think ever. I don't think I've ever heard of a game being like, yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna bypass you know Steam or whatever else. Um, of course, Epic was able to do it because they already had sort of the infrastructure in place. But I think EA might do. EA might has some of their own. Some. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's only some of these really really. You can tell though. If, yeah, titles. you look at the franchise. It's not even the it's not even the publisher necessarily. But if you it's it's the franchise because look at like EA and uh, and Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. Um, some of their titles are on Steam and some are not. Right. And depending on the title, I think you can you can just tell like the ones that are that just have their own enormous following, uh, give them the option to say like, oh, we don't we don't need to, you know, throw away a bunch of I guess not throw away, uh, pay a bunch of money to, right. to Steam to get access to their user base because we already have the entirety. We've saturated this market. We already right. have everybody. Um, well, and I think it also speaks to it, it asks the question of uh what what are you getting for that you know that 30 percent on a store that gets increasingly more and more uh just over, oversaturated yeah. and overcrowded where where if your game previously would have would it maybe like five years ago if you launched you know fallout or whatever your game would dominate the front page of steam for weeks mm-hmm. um and if now if you know the best you can hope for is is a few days or something before some other big some other thing pops up or or your your game just kind of gets mixed in, you know, right. with everything else, um, then that, that kind of dilutes, uh, the appeal of your game. It dilutes your visibility. It makes it harder to get users and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, and not only that, but then if, if you think about the real math behind this, this 30% question is, uh, the difference for you then, if you don't lose 30% is that you're making 42% more money. Correct. Right. So just weird math to do. Right. Because, yeah, so a percentage work, you know, a dollar divided by 70 cents is a 42% increase, right? Mm-hmm. And 42% is a huge difference, yeah, right? It's a big revenue boost. Yeah. And so so even if you lose 10% of your players, you know, you're still, you know, which is, I don't know if that's even likely or but with these with these giant games like Fallout, when yeah. they could just announce a mobile game the day that they launch it and have it dominate everything, right? Yeah. So they clearly have good marketing power. Um. Yeah. So this is going to be an interesting trend to see where that the rodeo continues. Yeah. I think. Well, it, I, I honestly just don't think it's going to be a trend. I think it's going to be a thing where games that because the you know the fact is like the 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 Bethesda sort of user base is is not that far off the scale of all of Steam. You know. Yeah. The fraction of 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 Steam people who own Skyrim basically. Yeah. Exactly. It's all. <laughs> and think right. about the ones who don't though. The ones who don't have never and still will never play a Bethesda game. Sure. Um, and so, and, you know, and of course, Bethesda's got this long track. And I, and I know for myself, back when Fallout uh, 4 came out, well, I guess, and New Vegas, um, each time, like, I knew a year ahead of time those were coming out. I didn't know that from Steam. I just somehow knew because mm-hmm. I was a fan and just somehow that knowledge appears when you're a fan, you know? Right. Because uh, <laughs> you just, you're, you're, well, you're, you're just aware of it. You're, you're aware of it. So it. when, as soon as it pops up somewhere where somebody else may not notice that article or whatever, yeah, yeah. you see, and you're like, ooh. Yeah. Or you just, other people, other people, you know, are also into it. And so it's, you just somehow kind of hear about it and then it's on your radar now. And so it wouldn't, it wouldn't really matter where it appeared. I would go, I would go get those games and I would know that it happened. And of course, if, if you're a person who's into games, you're, you know, you're talking to people about games. So I mean, even if, even if they said, yeah, Fallout uh, 76, it's going to be only in Target. We're going to make, I would go to Target. We're going to make box copies. Well, maybe not for 76. I'm not interested in the multiplayer thing, but for the next, Real single Bethesda player game, one. the right. single player one. The then, next real, the next one. real, one. Not, not <laughs> fake games. No. <laughs> then for that, I'd yeah, I'd be like, it's only available in this Target, and you know, in uh, whatever Louisiana, mm-hmm. You'd be like some road tiny trip, town, road, yeah, road trip, trip time, and it'll be a blast. Have a great. And road also, day when you got room. there, there'd be a tons of other Fallout yep. fans. Yeah. And you'd be like, what is up? Yeah, my fellow humans. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty spectacular. High five everybody on the way into Target. That'd be a, just an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but all right, before we get on to some questions. 
we need to talk about – apparently we need to talk about dead person goals. Yeah. I don't know what this is. Yes. So I was listening to this TED Talk yesterday. I was driving back up from Iowa. And it was Angeles. it was done by a dead person. I yeah. Assume. No, you were driving down the globe. All right. Shut your mouths. Right. So what <laughs> – <laughs> so I was listening to this TED Talk and it was this woman talking about this idea of uh, – Basically, just saying that, you know, wanting to not experience feelings, right, as a human being is just equivalent to having dead person goals. So she said, uh, the whole talk was about sort of being emotional, experiencing your actual feelings that you're having about a thing, letting them happen, whether it's grief or sadness or happiness or whatever else, and then sort of using that to, you know, enjoy your life as it is. And she apparently, you know, in talking to some people who are having trouble with, various goals or whatever else, if they would say something like, oh, yeah, I don't want to be – I really want to do this thing, but I don't want to be disappointed. Uh, or I like, I really want to do this thing, but I know it's just going to be really uncomfortable or hard. Uh, and her response apparently is you have dead person goals, which is you have a, the goal of – the, the only goal you have is the goal of a person who doesn't want to feel anything, which is not right. – inappropriate sort of goal to have or you're, you're sort of you're sort of using uh, avoiding avoding certain having emotions, any feeling right yeah, yeah. As, as the driver for your life decision right and i was thinking about mm. it because i was like this it's an interesting thing i mean we talk a lot about goals and a lot about you know trying to figure out what's good and, and everything else on on the podcast and so i thought it was an interesting uh way to think about it is if your goal is mainly about not experiencing a discomforting emotion of some sort but whether because it's like a hard thing to do whatever else then maybe you should reconsider that, like whatever's going on there. Because not wanting to feel things is not really equivalent to like getting a lot of things good out of life, it seems like. So, so I've been watching Queer Eye. Mm-hmm. Great show. Season two on Great. Netflix? Season one and two. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I hadn't watched any of it ever but, before. But the reboot specifically. Yeah, the new, the new, uh, the new one. And uh, great show. Bring Kleenexes. It's very sentimental. Yep. <laughs> but one, one kind of common trend that I noticed uh, in general is, is almost every single person that they come in to help is somebody who in some way or another is, is sort of paralyzed by fear. Mm. Uh, and they, they might be scared of different things, right? Like they, there, was, there was a guy who was essentially, he was afraid of success, you know, so he always kind of he never really put himself out there. He never he never tried to accomplish anything. Um, and as a result, he just kind of lived this very sort of everything was medium. You know, mm-hmm. his his apartment was OK, but not like not in terrible shape, but also right. never good shape. His clothes were like everything was just kind of average. And he was he just was also he wasn't happy, uh, but he also wasn't depressed. He was just kind of existing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so he he had this kind of fear of of if he really went for something, he might fail, which is scary, yep. but also he might succeed, which means things will change. And so instead you just keep it on the level. Don't right. do anything crazy. Just do, keep maintaining. Right. Um, or you see people who, who never go through the effort of, of trying to find good clothes that mm-hmm. fit. Uh, and the reason is because they worry that, you know, they, they might believe that they aren't attractive or something. Mm-hmm. And that even if they put on clothes that they think look good, that they still won't won't look good. Right. So what's the point? Right. And so then by never making that next step, you never have to sort of answer that question. Um, And then you can just be comfortable in your gym shorts Mm -hmm. and talk about how you value comfort instead of style. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, so this, I feel like this is kind of connected where like people, people will do a lot in order to avoid discomfort. Oh yeah. Which I mean, it locks, it locks you in, in place. Yeah. Um, well, I think and there's, there's a big thing, which is that a lot of a lot of just navigating life stuff is being very comfortable with chaos, actually, I think, in a, you know, being able to navigate these situations successfully is saying, OK, yeah, everything's going to change whether I fail or succeed or even try really, really hard at this particular thing. Everything will change. Uh, and then having the tools where you feel like you're confident to be able to sort of negotiate whatever that change is going to be is, I think, something that, I mean, you never get taught it, you know, yeah. and you don't get, there's no, there's no class about how to handle the fact that every that your life is basically just chaos all the time, even when you are moving it to a point of you know higher success or whatever else, uh, which well, I think is kind of a I, I do like the strategy that uh, I think it's Tim Ferriss talks about fear setting. Yeah, yeah, which is it's just the idea of basically just just whatever it is that you're afraid of, just write it out, and then it's like a scenario planning, right? So you write out all the possible things, that, the horrible things that you think could go wrong because you of know, doing this because thing. of doing something. Mm-hmm. But instead of just listing them, then also go one step deeper and say, well, then what would I do? Like, what would I, what would it, what would it mean if this horrible thing really did happen? And how would I respond to that? And would it really be as bad as I think mm-hmm. it would be? Uh, and generally, 
The answer is no. It's probably not actually as bad as you think it would be. But until you get it out, it seems like it, right? Which is the weird part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah. It reminds me of that uh, bomb technician who where somebody asked him like, are you ever nervous about mm-hmm. you know clipping the wrong wire? And he's like, no, because if I do, then it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So worst case scenario, you got no more problems. Uh, yeah, that's really that's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. All right, let's get on some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your question on a future episode, get over there and then do that. First question comes from Devo. Hey, guys. Awesome podcast. Changed my life. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. <laughs> Wait, did he write blah, blah, that's blah? That's what he said. Or? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, excluding uh, jam games. Your most recent game release was Crashlands, right? Do you feel an overwhelming pressure for your next game release to be nearly or as successful as the Crashlands release was? Mm, no. Yeah, not really. No, I mean, I, I want it to be at least half as successful so that we're back up at, at breaking even on that's our costs. That's where I'm at, too. That's yeah. my main goal. There's a financial incentive there. Yeah. First. I would love it to be a cultural icon, and, you know, I, I would love it if that was all where all the things that happened. Um, but I feel no pressure for any of those things to happen. I just hope they do. Yeah. The only thing I feel pressure for is that I want to I want to be able to keep doing this. Where would that pressure come from if you did feel it? It would be internal, right? Like it yeah. would be it would because because nobody outside cares how successful our games are. No, no. Right? Well, like they, why they, would they? Well, I mean, in a I mean, they, they might care about the game, right. but they don't care. Not not on our behalf. Yeah, they don't care how many yeah. units. It's well, but there's <laughs> also this sense though that people have that if you you know say you're a, a novelist or say you're really anything, then then every time that you put out the next thing, it's supposed to do better than the last one because you're supposed to be mm-hmm. you're supposed to be propelling your success forward. Uh, and that's a lot of what we've designed our way of doing things to try to, to actually do that, to capture that effect. Uh, but we also know that most of publishing an entertainment product is uh, is random chance. And we can stack the deck in all kinds of ways. We can we can do all kinds of stuff that that make it more likely that things will go well. But the end result is just that likelihood times the chaos yeah. of of launch, uh, and so it just is true that it doesn't actually how good our next game is, um, and how much effort we put into it, and how much we do things quote unquote right. Uh, it's loosely none coupled. Of, it's loosely coupled right. to the actual success of that right. game. So if the, if if Lola comes out and does worse, despite what will be our belief that it's a better game than Crashlands, mm-hmm. and that. In all ways, it was designed with a higher likelihood. I, I strongly believe it has a much much higher likelihood of of high success than Crashlands did. But that doesn't mean it's going to have that success. Right. Even if even if the likelihood is actually even if all that is true, mm-hmm. uh, that's actually not necessarily what's going to happen. What's well, also funny in games because your your second or your third game might be a completely different game than your first one, which yeah. is actually it's it's interesting because the games market is not. Yeah, you do think about it as a whole thing, but the reality is that there are types of people who buy types of games, yeah. and so. Crashlands hit a very particular niche of people, which is sort of crafting or RPG enthusiasts of some regard, or people who just like goofy cartoonish stuff, right? Uh, Levelhead's going to hit a different audience. And I, again, I'm in the same boat Adam is where I think it's the case that it has a bigger audience pool to pull from. And I think that everything about the game we've really tried to be- It's a more be, casual game. Yeah, we've, we've tried to be more conscientious about designing it such that it's it's possible for it to be much bigger than Crashlands. But by all means, that is not an expectation in terms of like- Really thinking that's gonna yeah we I don't know we don't well, know. yeah and there's and we talked about on the on the cast before the concept of regression to the mean right mm-hmm. which feels like a phenomenon but it's just a description of of the reality that on average things do average and so you're gonna have some things that, so so Crashlands might have actually done better than it should have we don't we can't mm-hmm. know that right uh, and so if Levelhead does or worse, worse or worse yeah. <laughs> so if Levelhead does worse that might just be well that's actually about how we can do. Yep. You know, it's just that we had a un, un, unexpected extra success with with Crashlands. Uh, it could be that Crashlands did way worse than it should have. Mm-hmm. In which case, when Levelhead comes out, it might seem to do you know like hundred x better, but it might actually not really have been hundred x better in the in the eyes of the public. It could just be the random set of, of right, things. Right. But since our sample size is so small and so infrequent, yeah, in a in a constantly changing games landscape, yeah. And we actually, you just got to basically not attach any value judgment to this, to the success of the yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, the you, the you value should. has to be attached to the thing itself and what you did to try to, to try to make it successful. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the trick, right? You should, you should be building the game such that it's, or I mean, any product, whether it's a game or a story or whatever else that such that it's both something you want to do and like a story you want to tell or a, a mechanic you want to explore 
and then also something that you think is market viable. Because if you, if you think there's no market for it, yeah, like, yeah. that's not what we're saying about this. I'm just saying. Yeah, we're not saying we make know. something even if it's garbage and then if it doesn't work out, that's not your fault. Yeah. Because it is your fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did that. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> right. So there, yeah, there's, there's a weird mixture of, of ownership and then, you know, sort of bowing to the chaos of. Yeah, because you, you, yeah, you have to remember that that success in anything, and that's just even because like, we're talking really about fear of success in life mm-hmm. and and fear of things changing and so on. All of these things are the are the compound uh, of I guess basically it's the sum of how much effort and skill and quality you put into the thing plus the random chaos of the universe, mm-hmm. right? And the more awesomeness and effort and skill you put in, the more you get to offset the chaos of the or universe. take advantage of it or take or yeah, use the chaos as a multiplier exactly. Uh, so it is still on you to make the best mm-hmm. thing possible. But in the end, even if you do, uh, that's not a guarantee. And if and if the final outcome after you did the, just the best thing you could and objectively a really good thing uh, and it doesn't go well, then that's not a value judgment on you. Mm-hmm. That's just the problem that it's just life. chaos just <laughs> turned out to be larger than your effort you know, right. in, in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you didn't have a good backup plan, Yeah, which is also happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, that, that's the, the thing about overinvestment that we're always yeah. kind of hitting on. People, yeah, people dumping five years into a project and it's their first game ever and it's going to run everything dry and then it doesn't go. And then they're like, well, I guess we're done. Yep. And then close up shop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, still because, yeah. because of chaos, you always have to have insurance, you know, but mm-hmm. insurance is for the chaos. And, and if you put all your eggs in one basket, that's literally the opposite of having insurance. You know, yes. then that basket catches on fire. And now you got a bunch of boiled eggs or I guess burned eggs. I don't know. Whatever. Which is actually kind of the ideal state of yeah, eggs. That's true. But Maybe then you just have an opportunity. Then at that then point. you're like, yeah, yes, exactly. that's exactly that's, what that's I needed. That's exactly what I was getting at. I wanted those hot, <laughs> hot fire eggs. Yep. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Metaphor did exactly as intended. Uh, all right. Next question comes from A-S-L-K-E-F-J-D-F. Is it just the middle? I think somebody just kind of slapped the home row a little bit. <laughs> uh, do you ever say, also, I want to point out that, that whenever somebody's sort of like slapping the home row, it always starts with AS. Like the, the pinky ring finger always get in there first. Mm-hmm. We're, very, we're very left to right oriented because of the reading, you know? That's true. This so does that mean if you're typing on an Arabic keyboard, then that it, it's, it's whatever it probably, the right keys are? One of our listeners needs to tell us about this. But isn't it know, that in Arabic, uh, sometimes two letters kind of come together to make one letter? It's like a megazording yeah. scenario. Yeah, there's like it's like a Power Rangers of language right. kind that's of true. a situation. I know nothing. I don't actually know if that's real. I thought I think I saw it in a talk <laughs> that Rami Ismail gave once. Mm. But I, so I don't know how that works with keyboards. I don't know. You got to mer- merge. Well, same thing with, with like Chinese, right? You just type sort of an abstract idea of the character, and the character appears because they're not a fifty thousand keyboard. Or fifty thousand mm-hmm. key keyboard that you type. Although on. I actually I think there was. I think I think when well back uh, when things were purely mechanical. Yeah, when the typewriter was first sort of appearing, and then in China they were like, "We want those," but we have fifty thousand characters. And then some guy was like, "I got this," and then he made this. <laughs> Is this like a pipe organ? It was, yeah, it was like this circular swivel chair thing you'd get into, and it just had just imagine the the man. skill of a person who could type on that. Just the. Yeah, if you were talking about if you were so talking about hunt and peck typing, like that's, <laughs> uh, that's something else. But I bet that that person like, you wouldn't have been able to hunt and peck because you would never type anything. You know, you would have to just know, you know yeah. where everything is. Well, it would have to be categorized. You know, you have to you have to know sort of like regions of the keyboard mm-hmm. that would have certain yeah. like gen, like verbs are on this side mm-hmm. and adjectives yeah. over here. That's crazy. I haven't. I don't it's know. It's too much. Yeah, too much. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to the question. Which was, <laughs> do you ever say? I'm sure. Then sure comes out and says, no, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, actually. I believe it's that happened. That happens a lot. Well, <laughs> <laughs> times. I don't think sure has done it. I, he has at has least he done once. it? Yeah. Okay. All right. We do it oftentimes also. Sometimes somebody will say, yeah, do you want to do this? And then the other person will pause and then they'll go, sure. And then sure will take off his headphones. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> We're like, no, never mind. That, yeah, we've had fine. to we've had to try to wiggle our vocabulary to mm-hmm. you know just say yes. yes yeah sure also goes by Charles so sometimes we use the word Charles in, in place of, of sure but he sure well he no longer goes because he Charles. no longer goes so by now Charles. we can say Charles instead yeah. of sure s u r e someone will be like do you want to grab a burrito and you're like Charles <laughs> yep and, <laughs> and then, then sure and just then keeps working and yep. it's fine. oblivious to <laughs> <in the past>. beautiful <laughs> yeah language it's always evolving. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, I was I was listening to I was listening to I think it was maybe Ted something mm-hmm. about language, and I had this interesting kind of revelation about how I'm at an age now where sometimes I get mad about words. <laughs> <laughs> new ones, new ones. Know? Yes, mm. uh, like like yeet, which is something that teens are doing. Mm. Teens are like yeet, and I'm like that teens. seems teens, man. Yeah. Um, but but I heard a, I heard a perspective on this, which made me kind of take a step back, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute, why am I being so weird about this? Well, which a good is question. Which is <laughs> language is supposed to change. Like la- language yeah. always changes because it exists in the context in which it's useful. And when people talk about uh, using the wrong words for something, or like if somebody says, I saw this stand up comic and I literally died, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> And there they are talking to you. And when they say that, you are not confused. You're not saying, oh, my God, you Is literally died? <laughs> How are you okay? How did you get here? Mm-hmm. Are you, did you get resuscitated? Like, you're right. not thinking any of that. All you're thinking is, that must have been real funny, mm-hmm. right? Which means that the words that they're using are, having are the exactly the right words. Because right? they mean things. Yeah, because words are meant to communicate meaning and and if it means exactly, like you got the meaning right out of it. Does, does, uh, does yeet mean yes and also I'm a teenager? Yes. Okay. It, I think it means <laughs> something like cool, ah. you know, which again, at some mm. point, teens were saying cool and all the adults were like, well, that's ridiculous. Back in my day, we said groovy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, on this note, we were, uh, Jenny and I were at a restaurant. A few weeks ago, yeah, and so I was looking at the menu. The waiter came over. He's kind of a kind of a squirrely dude, and he said, uh, "So he's, he's kind of he's wiggling like, around. Yeah, he's just he's, like very, he's very energetic." <laughs> um, and so he asked, he asked what we we're gonna get, and I was, and I just said, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the," and I said whatever the name of the thing was, you know. And then I got confused because then he said something, and but I, I couldn't register because I was just really confused about what was happening. And so he repeated it a bunch of times until I finally registered, and he was saying he was just saying it's do not have or it's have not do. He said it a bunch of times, so I didn't know what the hell was going on. It's have not do. It's ha- he's like, it's have, it's ha- it's <laughs> have not do. It sounds like a word. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's have, have not do. It's yeah. have not do. It's a, so I was just confused rather than I finally got it. And he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, it's just a pet peeve of mine. It's, you know, it's. it's so your waiter corrected you? So my waiter corrected me. How was his tip? Uh, <laughs> well, it was in Amsterdam, so you don't tip people really. So oh, um, interesting. But, uh, but it really, like, it really just get, threw me off really hard. And then it kind of like, put me in a weird space for the first part of while we were eating because. Just that that happened because I was like, <laughs> oh, so what did you say something like, oh, I'll, I'll do the lobster. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Yeah. Just just how how we speak colloquially. Right, yeah. Know? And uh, but just the, the idea that somebody would get upset about that it. somebody would be upset about a colloquialism mm-hmm. because because like, he, he also said it's a pet peeve of mine because, of course, people say this all the time. Mm-hmm. Because that's how language works, right, right? Right. So he's just chosen to be mad about every other person saying, "Yeah, I'll do the lobster," yeah. and then I'll to make sure the, that I'll do he the clams. make sure that he tells the patrons of this restaurant. Interesting. He's correcting. He's it. he's fixing language one yes, patron language at a time. Yeah. Yeah, I've never liked that because it's always it's always that question to me of, well, did you understand what the hell I was saying? We used to have this teacher who you you go up and ask if you can I go to the bathroom? He, I don't know, can you? You say, shut up. You know what I mean. <laughs> Do you want me to pee on your desk or you let me gonna go to the bathroom and pee? And he's like, you have to say may. Right. May even I. though I'm like, you know what I mean. Right. Yep. But, well, I, but even though it actually in in and the crazier thing about that is that is correct. Because yes. you cannot go to the bathroom without his without that person power. saying that you can, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So can or may, you know, they both he's not recognizing the power structure situation here. You yeah. Because like what, Well he what, is and he isn't. He's not he's not recognizing how absolute it is, mm-hmm. you know. Because so like, he was like, May, it's just like, it's like a gentle ask for permission. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, of course you can do whatever you want, but it's really best if you, but no, if you walk out that door, you're getting thrown in jail. Yeah. Because that's how school works. Yep. Yeah. Because you didn't have a hall pass. <laughs> yeah. And you just, you just sort of violated the Geneva the Convention. Yep. Yeah. Straight to jail. That's a war crime. Which is because like, you always have the argument of, I mean, words, of course, matter a ton and the words you use to describe things matter a ton. But also generally you can understand the meaning or the intention of whatever someone's talking about. Almost even if they're speaking nearly in jargon or in a in a completely like a teenage well, way. Except for business jargon. I can't understand any of that. It's not, it's not meant tight. for you. That's true. It's meant for shareholders. <laughs> and stakeholders. <laughs> and holders of other things. Holders of all the things. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it was an interesting reflection point for me. Cause who cares? Well, yeah, just to think, who you know, cares? it's actually it's a lot there is there is no such thing as correct language. No, it's correct. Tool. 
yeah, it's a tool for communication. And if I understood what they meant, I could, you know, I could just ruin this interaction just right out of the gate mm-hmm. and just be like, let me just stop you right there and tell you that you're wrong because yeah. people love that. Mm-hmm. It's have not do. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's have not do. And, and like, so when you ordered that lobster or whatever it was, it was, uh, it was a pile of anchovies. A pile so of close anchovies. enough. <laughs> so In the shape of a lobster. Yeah, just, man. Because here's the thing. I would, I would argue that do is more correct because you are going to do something to those anchovies and <laughs> I didn't you're, not gonna, and you're not going to have them when you're done. Yeah. This is like that. Sort of whole, you can't have your cake and eat exactly. it too. Right. You have to, you do, you, you do, do that cake. cake. You get in there <laughs> and you just do stuff to it. Put it in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Eat it. Cover your face with it. It is gone now. You don't have that cake anymore. And I, yeah. And you actually, when you get food, you do a lot of things because you dip it and stuff, you know, you mm-hmm. like cut it, you know, there are all kinds of things happen. So it's, I'm just, I'm not just eating this shit. It's not just going into my, into my stomach with you're nothing doing, else happening. You're doing that. Yeah, it's not anchovies. about having it. It's not about having a warehouse full of anchovies. Yeah, frankly, I don't, even, I don't even want it. I'm going to go through the process of putting it in my body. Mm-hmm. That's that's. So I, I wish, I, you know, <laughs> sometimes these things happen, and then once you can process it later. I know, then you're like, oh, I should have said this. Because what you should have said was, actually, no, it's do, not have. Ooh, yeah. He would have been like. And he uh, would have been like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then I could say, you know, I'm a, I'm a linguistics expert yeah. mm-hmm. in that I speak a language. And I'm not <laughs> going to have these anchovies. I'm renting them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until such time that I could consume them. I'm renting them Via for the my verb do. Yes. I'm, I'm going to borrow these anchovies. I need to borrow these anchovies for just a minute. So have uh, you started using eat? No, I just, I mean, here's the thing. I don't, you don't need to embrace it. That I don't hard. need to embrace I, I could, sure. I'm okay with people using it. It just feels weird and hard to say. So I'm just not going to, well, do but also, you know, yeet, like but, what, yeet, why ye? But the whole Come idea on. of how, how words evolve <laughs> is that, is that people from different groups kind of, they invent them and they use them as a way to sort of identify each other and all in group right? status. Yeah. yeah. So, so there Teens are some have words. have to do this because they live in a weird zone yeah. of life. Where nobody's acknowledging right. them, so they have to create like an in-group. Yeah, and it's, and it's okay for words not to be for you. you yeah, know? that's like true. Words from some other sort of subculture. You, it, it doesn't have to – you don't have to have everything. Mm-hmm. You know, just fucking take a You got enough it. words. You got like, I don't you know. Got like I 100,000 mean, of them. Use the word cool. English is that. pretty good at taking words. That's kind of our, that's kind of our yeah, yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. that's true, but we only <laughs> – but we take them in, you know, in groups. And so we say, these are my words We're like, for now. I, German is mine they, now. They mm-hmm. all kind of move and migrate into other subcultures and, you know, and, it, and it's all fine. It's just that if, you know, if, if a new word like yeet comes up – and you don't like I'm, it. Like, I'm not going to start saying that because I'm not a teenager. But in 10 years, once eat is just a thing that everybody says, like, yeah, I'll be saying that shit all the time. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It yeah. would probably be strange if you show up in high school and you're like, this is pretty yeet, kids. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd be like, don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeet, is, yeet is the new Facebook. Now all the parents are doing it. Oh, God. And the teens hideous. are like, we need a new word. And that's actually true. Is most <laughs> most new words will become lame and stupid before they get mainstream anyway. Correct. So you, know, you can just ignore it. It's fine. You know, yeah. What do you? What's your bet? So it's like a ten-year bet. Is Yeet going to be in the common um, vernacular? Yeet's, Yeet's a tiny drop in the drop in the historical bucket. I mean, do you think it's going to appear on? No, it's of, too hard you know, to say. It's too hard to say. Too pointless. It's going to be. It's going to be a thing that that kids say on Reddit for like three months, and then phew, all right in the wind. But it's got Stradamus. We'll check it out. All right, put it. Write it down. Write that down. <laughs> all right. Next question. Speaking of language, comes from one dead saint. I have refactored the phrase, you just got to get in there. The you is implied. So I'm going to drop that. Uh, the just stays. Uh, you got to get implies doing. So that is now do. And in there is too specific. So I'm going to change that to just it. Just do it. Basically, you just got to get in there as a longer version of Nike's slogan. <laughs> How does that make you guys feel? Discuss. Pretty good because it's one of the best slogans probably ever made yeah. by and any if- business ever. And if we were using it, then we'd be in violation of their trademark. And mm-hmm. so um, that would probably be a legal yeah. issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Nike, really, really what they're trying to say is quit fucking around, guys. Mm-hmm. Get out there and do sports. You yeah, know, that's yeah. their, that's the, that's the extended version of their. <laughs> yep. But, but, but here's, the shareholders, but the other problem, stakeholders though. didn't want it. Here's the other problem, though, is people hate being told what to do. Mm-hmm. The, the way it's written for Nike is like, just, just do it. Yeah. Right. Which is a command. It's a demand, and, no, and nobody likes it. This is the reason that nobody's just doing it, because right? Because Nike, the you to tell me Nike, to do I it. mean, the, people would be just doing it all the time. Yeah, but because Nike was so forward about it, everybody kind of kind of yeah. Pushed but back. also, but in that framing with the way that the just is in there, it the implication is that this is 
This is not this even is hard. Trivial. Just get, yeah. What are you doing with mm -hmm. your What are you doing with your life? You mm -hmm. are a walking disaster. This is this is how I feel about <laughs> Nike's slogan. Right. It's just telling me that I'm a garbage piece of you know human mm. detritus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's so, what that's what I get out of it. Also, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> unlike <laughs> unlike you just gotta get it. It's sort of like apologetic. It it it's embraces just, well, the a, fact that you are struggling. Mm -hmm. It's you know? not a command. It's an answer exactly. to your question. Your question is how do I do it? Yeah. If someone said you just do it, you'd be like. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little <laughs> yeah. forward and rude. But yeah, so so you just gotta get in there is sort of it's waiting. It's waiting for somebody mm. to ask once they're once they're ready mm -hmm. to yeah. you know to do their thing. They well, say, Yeah, but how? It's also yeah, also the case is saying you just do it. It doesn't actually give you any direction about how to go about well, doing it. Well, and I think right? I think also it's too goal oriented, yeah. right? Because mm -hmm. we're focusing on, on just where we're focusing on where you're at. You know, yeah. you Right now, you're over there. You got to get. You're over here. You got to get in there. Yeah, and yeah. there's a big space. It needs to be general because there's a whole bunch. And of what? Stuff and and you here's the thing. Sort out. Here's mm -hmm. the thing. Once you're in there, it doesn't really matter what you do. You don't have That's to. True. You don't have to do it. You could do that. You could do Instead, that. You could do this. You could do all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But, but you as long do as as long as you're in there and doing something, then, <laughs> then it's okay. Yeah, right? everything's great. You're on the right approach. Yeah. So I mean, I think maybe. just do it works great if you're a coach and you're telling somebody to run. Yeah. I guess it's very it's, simple, hierarchical, you know, like in the context of athletics, it's perfect. Oh yeah. Perfect slogan. But I think in the context of, of literally know, anything else. Real life, you know, trying to learn some skills, do the hard thing, figure out what you're doing even. First you just gotta get, you in, gotta there. get in there. And maybe then get some cool shoes and then just do it. Then yeah. just do it. <laughs> well, Once I you're mean, in there, part, I mean, yeah, part of getting in there might include just doing it. If what's if getting in there includes like running or something, mm -hmm. you know? so just do it is probably actually a it's subclass. A subclass. Yeah, That's like the next step. It's one of the mm -hmm. mechanisms that you use to get into a specific kind of place. Mm -hmm. So you'd say you just got to get in there and then just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Once you're in there, exactly. <laughs> We're gonna call step. Nike for a partnership. It's a two-step process. Step. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next question comes from just <laughs> some dude. Is water wet? Side question: Is fire on fire? So this is this yes and yes. This is a throwback <laughs> to a common uh, a common sort of snide response. This is a very languagey kind of a. I like it. Feeling good. <laughs> so somebody will water say wet. somebody will say, "Oh, is this happening?" And somebody's like, "I don't know. It's water wet, right?" It's mm. a it's a uh, <laughs> stating the obvious. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, so obvious. But the question is, is it obvious? is water truly wet? Because wet? it depends on which part of the water. Because if you point to any part of the water. If there's other water on it, then it's definitely wet. So a single water molecule is dry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if there's other water on it, if it's, it's wet. If now. it's up against another one, that's a wet water. Yeah, so as long yeah. as you have two of them together, then it's wet. Yeah. Okay. And so, and, and I would argue that because you can't actually see the boundaries of water because molecules are very, very small, mm -hmm. that you could never just point to the entirety of the water. You know, like there's going to be Any some water that you didn't even know so, was there. So yeah. really, a water is dry. But water is wet. But water is wet. Yes. Yeah. So the only way to get to get liquid down to the point where English would consider it a, a singular noun is to make it a gas. Is to have one of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that we'll make it a gas because now any water is not touching any other water, so it's not wet anymore. So yeah. is steam wet? Steam is not wet. It feels wet. Steam that's is that's water. Once it's on you, it's water now. Uh, that's true because <laughs> ice is also water and that is dry. Yeah. Because it's a solid. Well, until you Cause, yeah, because the water's got to be wiggling around, you know. Right. So if it's not wiggling, so, it's not wet anymore. So wiggling. So what you're saying is, is water wet? Sometimes water's wet if it's wiggling. If it's wiggling and together, yeah. Water know? is wet at the right temperature and pressure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay, but fire is definitely not on fire. I think that's fair because being right. on fire, fire is not means, on fire. No, because because mm. fire is the burning of a thing, but it's the, the fire itself is just light. You know, you can't burn light. Well, you can't. <laughs> I mean, neither can you, which is what I say. So, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I agree with that, yeah, too. Yeah. Nobody, can, nobody can do it. So the other week, I, I chopped down a bunch of uh, these these honeysuckle plants. Man, you're really just battling those. those they just destroying. So, but I burned, I ended up burning them afterwards. Yeah. Nice. And I was looking at the fire. Way to stick it to them. Did oh, you, did. Did you <laughs> then take, a, did you take another lighter and then try to light the fire on fire? No, but I, when I was looking at the fire, I was like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> It just I, happened to me. I was like, what the hell? This I is think eating the secret these. is that nobody does. Like, what the hell is it? It's magic. What is it? People have explained it where they're like, it has, oh, yeah. It has shapes and everything. It's light shooting out of things. And I'm like, I'd, why? <laughs> what? And then I just so, go to my backyard and I have like a, I have a little tiny thing that I put stuff in and then I, and then I 
set them on fire, which is magic, and then you they just turn set into, them on fire. You hold fire on it. Turn now it into becomes this fire. weird gray stuff, and it keeps getting hotter. And it's so hot. Why yeah. does it keep getting hotter? <laughs> Honestly, I was looking at. it. I was like, I don't, I don't know how this works. It's just, like, a, it's just, <laughs> it's just a big fancy chemical reaction because just there's oxygen in the air, and the oxygen is like, I want to get in there, mm-hmm. and I'm really fucking pumped when I do it, and mm-hmm. it's so it's like scream. <laughs> mouth is open, it's just screaming into there and shooting light out while it's <laughs> happening, right? So it's like a rave party that all these oxygen molecules want to be a part of. So that's what fire is. A good metaphor. So is know? the shape of the fire then? That's just oxygen's kind of. Kind of mosh pitting on their oh, way yeah, on their right. way oh, yeah. in yeah on their way into there. Definitely. So fire is just an oxygen mosh pit. Yep. Is that <laughs> okay? Yep. No, that honestly that it does explain that does a pretty good that. job. It of, is just science. You know? <laughs> it is. But why when oxygen screams does it shoot light out of its mouth? Because it's awesome. <laughs> you know, like well, if you had the if you had the option of shooting light out of your mouth when you were screaming, that's true. I would how, do it. How often would you be screaming? Basically, I think every. The, yeah, I mean. When I took chemistry way back in the day, the most important thing that I remember about oxygen is it doesn't give a fuck. It really doesn't. What you think. <laughs> no. Okay. It's going to scream and shoot light. If it's going <laughs> to, if it wants to scream and shoot light out of its mouth, no, you're not going to do anything about it. It is, the, it is yeah. one of the most dangerous things that there is in terms of, cause it just, it just, it wants to just be on everything. I mean, but you, only, you're like, only. I got this iron and oxygen's like, no, you don't. You got rust now. <laughs> <laughs> Deal is, with this. This is fucking mine is what <laughs> oxygen says. Yeah. And it's screaming again. <laughs> All the Do time. not forget this. It's screaming the entire time. So we use oxygen for everything. That's how we can scream. Yeah. In biology. Well, your body, <laughs> yeah exactly. Because your body is just screaming constantly. Just, <laughs> that's how you stay alive. You know? <laughs> yeah. The reason that we're able to use oxygen is because it's always bonding with shit. Mm-hmm. So that means we can we can make it bond with other things. You know, we yeah. breathe, we get oxygen in there, then it grabs molecules that we need, and then it like moves them to other parts of the body. It's a very controlled stuff. screaming. Because you know? now we're telling oxygen, you know, like, no, sorry, buddy, you can't just do what you want. We need you to do this, but it, it's, it'll still just do anything you're given the opportunity so it starts yeah. screaming and then your body takes it and it's like no no do that over here to kind of like points yeah, yeah. so oxygen is like the, the the element of just getting in there oh yeah because it will just get it'll in just get in every and it'll just do oxygen it. is required for fire but also it's what water is made of yeah. but also it's what you're made of weird yeah yeah Oxygen is pretty fucking awesome. We are <laughs> really just, man. I want to do a we're chemistry really just slow fires. I want to do a chemistry podcast where Adam just teaches us about chemistry through anthropomorphized. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'd have a hundred and what, how the fuck many chemical elements there are. There's and, like there's like a jillion. And elements. then just every episode, we would just mm-hmm. walk through one. Uh, what is it? What, what is even is this? And, and the beauty is that because I'm not a scientist anymore, I don't have to be accurate. All right, and listen, you know? I can just say you whatever. Can just say I want. whatever the fuck you want because it's the internet. Yeah. You know? Do whatever you want. I saw a blimp. Okay, the PGA Tour was in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. And that weird-ass blimp about tires was floating around. The Goodyear, Goodyear blimp. Yeah, the tire It's kind of weird blimp. that that's their thing, you know? There's the like, one thing that doesn't have tires. Like, yeah. it could have been an airplane. That has tires. That has tires. Helicopters, those can have tires. Blimps, yeah. they would not, you never put tires on a blimp. That's crazy. Maybe a boat. I maybe, guess it could have been a boat. Maybe a tire is just, or a blimp is just like a big, it's a big inflated tire. tire with like a house on the bottom. Yep. Oh yeah, maybe maybe it's a yeah, statement maybe. about how good they are at inflating things and keeping the I air think in that's there. What so it is, I was kind of wondering. Know? It's all about keeping the like blimps. You got. We keep can all the agree. Air. The most important thing is keeping <laughs> yeah. the air in there. I was wondering. You know, you always hear about these these rich folk getting their yachts mm-hmm. and then you know yachting. Yachting around yachting. into yes. the bay and yes. shit like yachts that. and yeats. How mm-hmm. come? Uh how come people don't get blimps? Because you could put like a whole house on, on the bottom of that thing. Yeah. And then it just is up there and it doesn't need to use fuel to like, just think, be up there. Well, I think people have a potential energy problem, right? Which is that anytime – if you fall, then you die. Yes. Anytime you get in a certain – It's, like a, it's people, a serious potential energy problem. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, yeah. yeah. Because if you're, <laughs> if you're on a boat, you can't – you can fall off the boat. But the boat itself probably is just going to be sitting there, right? Unless yeah. something catastrophic happens. But a blimp – is fighting something in order to do its traveling thing, right? It's fighting it's fighting gravity, you're fighting the winds, all this other stuff. Yeah. Which means if for a moment it ceases the fight, then now you have a potential energy problem and you're going to go down into a Which is true for boats too. You know? Yeah, it's true like, for boats because like as soon as you stop floating, you sink. You know what I mean? But there's yeah, a big difference because, because, well, because you as a person will be able to still float at least a little bit. But, but you can't float on the air. But anymore. it's also the case that the boat is not expending energy to float. Well, it's true of a blimp also. That is true. It's just it's just filled with gas. Right? Don't so, give a fuck. I, I mean, I mean, you got to you got to use a propeller to to move it around. But that's true of boats. So here's, yeah. here's, the other problem with, here's the other problem with a the blimp: though. they get hit by airplanes. That's that's there, true. I mean, there are many problems with blimps, but one of them is that. But you is gotta, it that, you got to be able to stop it from going up more? 
You know, like a boat, it just is where it is. There's right. no, well, I mean, there's that's no what up. space is for. I mean, it is, but <laughs> you don't want to go that high. <laughs> but if you just go a little bit too high, now you can't breathe. Yeah. But I guess with what with a boat, though, if you go, if too, you go low, too far you down, either, you can't yeah. breathe either. So what I'm saying is, is blimps are just boats of the sky. They're just upside and, down And boats. it seems like one of the things about being rich is having lots of really inconvenient things, right? Yeah, boats, yeah. Well, but you just pay other people to handle the inconvenient right. parts. Uh, doors that open upward on your car, you know, yes. suits that you have to dry clean all the time. Car, yeah, right? cars that are that are very low, so you're basically laying prone on the ground while you're right. driving. You can't see anything, yeah, but watch, then you pay a driver to drive you around. Watch someone struggle out of a Lamborghini, which is like the best yeah. thing <laughs> yeah. because you're, you're laying on the pavement and then you have to get – up and out. Yeah. So I think it's yeah, clothes that are so impractical. You need people who are just around you to keep you from falling and to hold them up mm-hmm. so they don't touch the mm-hmm. dirty ground. Yeah. So I mean, if if that's what if that's what wealth looks like, then you would think the like bl- a blimp be, is yeah. the least convenient and most visually sort of obnoxious thing that you can True. have. But simul- But here's so, the thing: there's a problem though because it's also got a lot of practicality to it. Because on like a boat, a blimp can go anywhere. Well, but it can't land anywhere because it's fucking huge. <laughs> but it doesn't have to <laughs> land because, you you know, you just get one of those like grappling hook thingies. And you, just, you just rappel down it or whatever. Yeah. So you can land yourself anywhere out of a blimp. You mm-hmm. cannot land yourself anywhere out of a boat unless you launch yourself via a cannon. That is true. And and anybody who's a billionaire is basically Batman. So they can grapple hook and yeah, rappel down pretty much anything. Yeah. So uh, Yeah, where's the bat? The the bat, the bat blimp. Yeah. So I think, <laughs> I think actually Alfred, what we got fire to. Fire up the blimp. I'm going to be there in six weeks. <laughs> But I think that's what we got to those. I think I think blimps are actually too practical for wealthy people. Mm, that's true because they can go anywhere. That's probably true, and probably because people get their yacht and then they just leave. They just never oh, yeah. go anywhere with it, so yeah. they'll just. But, but but people can still see how wealthy you are because they can see your yacht floating there. It'd right? Be very but you strange. can't just have your blimp just. Well, it'd be very strange there. to see here <laughs> with a bunch of blimps just like tied to it, floating yeah. around it. Did, is that what used to happen back when blimps were a thing? Were I don't know if they like ever tied up everywhere. I don't think they were a thing in like a big way. I mean, they were because you know there was the the Hindenburg really kind of turned people off of blimps uh, as giant screaming explosions exploded yeah. to dry fireball. Mm-hmm. But you know you would go on. But a it cruise. also just turned into a bunch of water, which is kind of beautiful. It is, <laughs> you know. But I mean, it was it was like a cruise, right? You'd get in this huge floating palace, mm-hmm. and then you would just. Just I mean, we've all gently, seen Archer. You, you know, just gently know. coast along, and mm-hmm. there's like it's catered, and it's all kinds of awesome stuff, right? And you're just hanging from a big balloon. Uh, but you know, you never hear about people. Yeah, I mean, if, if your that. favorite part of a journey is having it be very slow, yeah. yes, blimps are absolutely, <laughs> absolutely the mechanism you should use. Yeah, I think they're like a one-time ride thing. Like you do yeah. it once, and you're like, I blimped, I blimped, I have blump, I have blump, I have. <laughs> Is it the best? It's, it's blump. I mean, not, I it's blump, not do. Adam. Yeah, but correct. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got time for one more question. This is from Coffee Chemist. The Beescotch crew are tasked with going into a deep, dark dungeon. Why? Who is tasking us with this? We, Good question. We are tasked. It's uh, using the passive voice, mm, so which means there's happened. nobody's responsible for yeah. this. This is Someone. just something that happened to us. <laughs> uh, what class are the crew rocking? Mm. Uh, and what would be the final boss? So what class is everybody? I guess why do we get to choose the final boss in this dungeon? But I guess it, because it sounds like the dungeon is supposed to be a metaphor for what we're doing right now, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you asked the question, you know, why are we heading into this? Who sent us here? We sent ourselves to this dungeon. That we just are in Because we're after whatever this boss is, slash maybe it has a horde of treasures. Yeah. So the question, there's, there's that metaphor for you. So we sent ourselves this dungeon. What are we trying to get? So I guess I'm a web programmer then. It's pretty, yeah, it's it's pretty class. <laughs> You're really taking this metaphor class. all yeah. the way to its and, logical and my conclusion. my goal is uh, to, to not be not, – not end up like living on the street. So somebody like, asked me this weekend. <laughs> for a high level. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, what my five-year – what my five-year plan was. You know, people ask you that. Mm. Yeah. I actually don't. Have what? No anymore. <laughs> I don't know where – what is happening? Where are my, we going? My five-year plan is to, in a small subset of that, have launched level head. Yep. That's it. That's, that's all I got. part of it. No, that's it. It's that's all part of it. <laughs> because cause then other things will happen. New opportunities will open up and then I will do whatever comes next. Because right, we say that planning is pretending to know the future and then being wrong. Yeah. We, we so do. if you have a five-year plan, the question yeah. is what do you want to be wrong about five years from now? Yeah. Well, we live in a lot of chaos. I think the last time we talked about our plans for Scotch ID, it was still Scotch ID for one. Now it's not. And then it was going to be – the eventual plan was to do basically what Discord has now done. And then so we I realized we can't. That we can't like, and Discord yeah. did it. Yeah, so, so it was too late. Yeah, we just uh, 
I don't know what our five year plan is. We're just but that would be the that cool would be stuff. the boss, you know, the five year plan. What like what like whatever and is that, what's the that big defeated, and then we don't have to have one. Yeah. Well, the so the goal of beating the boss is then you get the loot, and then that lets you go fight the next boss. True. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so the reality is, we just live in this dungeon now. We are. Are we the boss? Are we <laughs> the monsters <laughs> inside the dungeon? Are, have we, we, we have are the we heroes, become? the monsters, the bosses, and the questing system. So we we build the dungeon. Yeah, and then we get other people to come into it, and then we become the thing that we have feared and hated the whole time. <laughs> yes, mm. Mm. but seriously though, mm. I think we we'll can all agree. Do. We can all agree that. Being ranged DPS is always better than being Obviously. melee. Well, it's only better if you have someone who is melee who's getting punched in the face. Right? Yes. You need someone up no, there. No, I think even then it's still better. Well, you need, a, you need a tank. Yeah. You need a healer. And then you need damage dealers. But, you you know, you never want to have the melee damage dealers. No. Because they you just get hit by stuff. All, all of a sudden, time. the boss is like, "I'm gonna run over here," and the melee like, "Oh fuck!" Uh, and they gotta chase mm-hmm. it. And then the boss is like, "I put fire on the ground," and the melee is like, "Oh no!" And they gotta move, like move. And then they're just like standing there because mm-hmm. they can't hit anything. Meanwhile, the yeah. ranger just. Meanwhile, yeah, you got somebody back there with a gun, just shooting the boss, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Guys, what? Come on, what do you even? Do? I have more of these. Why don't you take one?" Yeah. Well, this is, I think this is all about it's. This is all about managing chaos, right? Because a boss fight is just a, it's a chaotic mm-hmm. event where there's there, the stakes are very high. And uh, the best way to, to mitigate these things is just to keep them at a little bit of a distance so that you can react to whatever they do. Mm. You know? So stay so, 40 yards back yeah, and shoot and it and with have a gun. gun. So if a boss fight yep. is a chaotic event that has a high amount of importance to it. as far as Our launches are boss fights. Yeah, so Levelhead's launch is the next boss fight. Yep. I'd say Sam is probably the tank for the, for launch. the launch. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because he kind of absorbs a lot of the – Hits. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably the healer. I think Adam's a healer because he makes it. Yeah, making he, he's systems, buffing everybody, yeah. you know, making sure. And I'm just back life. there shooting people. So <laughs> Seth and Shirt, they just got guns. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Little, little like mobs pop up and we're just shooting them down, mm-hmm. you know, little yep. bugs. Yep. Yeah. That sounds about right. Now, post launch, I don't, I have no, I think we're all just tanks at that point. No, post launch, we're all just chilling, you know? We're just, there's the campfire. That's true. Cause, scenario. cause the thing about launching is we totally plan it perfectly. 100%. Yep. There's never any problems. Nope. And then, uh, we just launch it. And we're like, great. We did it, guys. And then we yeah. just, uh, you know, buy a blimp. Well, I think it's actually one of those Eat things where you, you defeat shawarma. the boss and the boss falls over. And then you see that it was just like the front hand of this gigantic, horrifying. Yeah. So boss. all you do is murder a hand, it turned out. Mm hmm. And then you have to fight the giant thing, which, is, which yeah. is post-launch when yeah. everything's on fire all the time. You, you thought you were fighting a boss and really you were fighting a like a middle manager. Yep. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then actually at the next stage of the boss fight, it's just you're on fire now. Yeah. Yep. Oxygen screaming in yep. the room. Screaming just, everywhere. Okay. Where, zany. Somebody probably knows this, but where did the term boss come from to describe the person, like the, the being that you defeat at the end? Of the, oh, yeah. Because it must have been done. Somebody must have coined that. Oh, yeah, interesting. Obviously, in relation because because uh, I mean, I guess I guess kind of maybe it's like there's henchmen that you're fighting or something, and then there's a, a boss who is you know, boss of the yeah, it's a hierarchical thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't. I wouldn't say that it was probably someone who was you know getting out some <laughs> some office <laughs> some rage, office angst. Mm-hmm. Although, did this and at happen? the end you kill a boss? <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 Jerry! Whoa, are we gonna? We we're we're like a, we're management bosses named after game bosses. What do you mean? Like when did when did this happen? Which came first? You know, that's the, true. Mm-hmm. Bosses, as we know them in the office term, may have just been called supervisors or managers. Yeah. And then after video games came out, and people kept killing bosses, mm-hmm. and then eventually people were like we should we should probably call these people. We should bosses. carry this over to mm-hmm. kind of get out, demonstrate our feelings on the on the matter. <laughs> that, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Somebody tell us this because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look this up. Yeah. I could could Google it like right now, but I said I'm gonna wait like a week. Yep. And then just see if somebody. Yeah. Told I'm Seth. curious enough to ask the question, but lazy enough to not look for the answer. Yep. Which. Well, the problem is it won't be an interesting answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's just, probably like Latin. It probably comes from 400 years ago. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it's boss, which was like bossa bossa mente. Maybe it's a German word. Yeah. Like bossa nova. Bossa nova. Very chilled out though. Yep. Right? You know? Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Where is it? Yeah, this is a very language-heavy episode. It is. I like it. Let's do this again, guys. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bart, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. 
you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server over at discord.gg slash bscotch and come say hello. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch or adorn your desk with Butterscotch mug, check out our shop over at shop.bscotch.net. Or if you'd like to send us something like a cement block that you put wood in, <laughs> we have a mailbox. Uh, which you can yeah, find the please, address for. Please kind of minimize the number of those you send, though. We yeah, don't we, have a lot of space. We've got, we need like three or four more, but then we're But also we're the thing about cement that. is that it's pretty fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. You know? It is. Keep we're, the, we're on the second floor. If I'm pretty sure our, the manager of this, of this uh, office space will be very upset if, if the floor collapses. Mm-hmm. So what happened? We'll be like, I, I don't know. We Probably just got a lot of On the other hand, that's what insurance is for. This is what insurance you is for. You know? So maybe it's fine. So we already have paid for it. So yeah. send away. Yeah. <laughs> The bigger, the better. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, if you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee to help uh, offset the cost of the podcast, you can go over to moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.